we should have a uh, production meeting this week with Ankit. Hmm. <laughs> okay. Plan our plan our thing. Okay, let's do this. Coast down. <laughs> you ready? I'll go. I Okay, you go. Welcome to the Coast Down Podcast, presented by Pratt Miller. Pratt Miller, transforming what's possible. All right, good morning, everyone. Luke Sager and Brad Zimmerman here to give you the Post Down Podcast. Today is Monday, October 30th at 10.07 a.m. Trying to move these up by a day. Yeah, so so Brad uh, decided that we now have to do all our social media on Mondays, so the rest of the week is free to do other things. I think uh, this will still post Tuesday afternoon, but I just need to get all this stuff done in one day. Yeah, so here we are Monday morning, 10.07. We're all jacked up after a exciting weekend of racing, ready to talk to you about Formula One, NASCAR, and all the goings-on in motorsports. Well, that's why I had a big sigh before you started. Like, I, I don't know if it's just the time of year or what, but these two races this past weekend, snooze fest, all of them. Well, let's talk about it. Okay. Uh, okay, so we had, uh, uh, we had Cup in Martinsville, and we had Formula One in uh, Mexico. Um, and just for context, it was 85 degrees on saturday and 83 degrees here on sunday so nice it was um it was unusually warm uh since i've lived here i don't remember it being this warm this close to halloween it was delightful to say the least yes i got all my stuff done so i could um focus on the races too (laughs) good So, so i i yeah actually watched a good amount of both of them so uh, Martinsville uh, was the Xfinity 500. Uh, Ryan Blaney won that race uh, starting off. Uh, the 54 and the 19 were on the front row. The 14 and 11 were on the second row. There was a lot of Toyotas up front. And then Stuart Haas, they showed up kind of big. Uh, they had um, several of their cars kind of throughout the day leading or yeah, leading and or towards the front. The 10 and the 14 were looking good. Um, yeah, it really looked like the Joe Gibbs came to play. You know, they yeah. they definitely realized how important it was, and Truex and Denny were were on it. Yeah. Um, the crowd, uh, I, it, I don't think it was a sellout, but it was pretty damn close. The crowd looked good. Mm-hmm. Um, they threw the green flag. Um, lap 104, there was just kind of a bottleneck. It looks like the three got into the 21. The 21 spun the 48. The 48 turned almost all the way around. The seven got caught up. Uh, nothing super detrimental to any one of those cars, although a couple of them had to get some stuff beaten out. Um, uh, everyone still went on to race, uh, and then Hamlin wins stage one. Yep. Um, you know, kind of like we said before in the past, the first stage to me it looks like everyone's just kind of getting a feel for what they have. Uh, Hamlin wins stage one. Um, like I said, Stuart Haas racing cars were fast um they were unusually towards the front you know you don't really see them too much um towards the front in the past um and then uh blaney wins stage two not a whole lot going on uh fairly strung out um single file racing there was some passing here and there yeah there was um you know towards towards the end of stage two 
um, you know, there was a, a restart where the 11 and the 12 were, were battling pretty good, um, battling each other respectfully. Mm-hmm. Um, so the racing was was pretty clean. There was a little, there were some touches and, and what have you, but it definitely just looked like Blaney just had a bit faster car. He yep. could get, uh, you know, off the corner better than... Um, Hamlin and you know that's really the key at, at Martinsville is is getting the power down um, on that track mm-hmm. so you know their percent full throttle there is I don't know it's tiny is it 30 percent or something yeah it seemed the I think the uh, in-car cameras no, it's probably less than that the 24 seemed like it was shifting twice the four was shifting once or well uh, going up and down so it, it it depend on what gears that they were running but no one was seemed to be hitting top gear but um there was a little bit of a variation depending on what gears they were running but they i watched the four in-car camera for a while and um uh, i i could imagine driving that gets pretty monotonous uh, f- um of two up two down two up two down every single lap yeah and and you have to feather the throttle basically halfway down the straightaway till till you're full yeah um you know because getting power down there is tricky yep uh, lap 274, the 54 spins and causes a pileup. And then they played the replay, and uh, there's a little bit of me that's like, oh, good, someone's going to do some <laughs> do some shit here. Yeah. So the 22 got into the back of the 54 going into, the, going into turn three pretty aggressively, like twice bumped him, and the second one moved him up and spun him. And uh, I was... I was really hoping for some sort of uh, Joey Logano versus the world type scenario like we've had there again. Um, there were some comments made after the race, but nothing really materialized on the track. Uh, there was a couple cars, two, three, four cars that got collected near towards the end that had really nothing to do with it. The six was included in that. Yeah, the 54 almost got into the 11 too. Yeah. Or I think he did, but the, it didn't, the, the 11 didn't end up spinning. Yeah. I didn't see if there was any uh damage that would cause it but the 54 spun again on lap 304 yeah that's ty gibbs everyone by the way if you're not up on your numbers uh lap 324 mcdowell spins yep 36 38 i don't know what his number is um uh so these cars are spinning you know no one's getting really getting collected there's not a huge wreck um although I, i know we don't talk about the xfinity race the day before but jesus there was a lot of carnage in that race, and they had a red flag for like 25, 30 minutes at least. Um, but anyway, that was the Xfinity race. Um, with 23 to go, to go uh, Ryan Blaney passed the 10, and Eric Amarola was, was running up front for quite a bit uh, there towards the end. Yeah, so the, he ended up there because they pit at an earlier caution yep. where um, the leader stayed out and pit, pit later. Yep. There, there were two cautions in the midway through uh, stage uh, stage three. Yeah. So um, 23 to go. The pass happens. Uh, Blaney holds on for the win. Um, he 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 seemed fairly emotional during his interview. Uh, I think it was a, obviously a huge relief that he uh, made it to the final four. Uh, so the final four that um, it got punched through to Phoenix is Christopher Bell, Kyle Larson, Ryan Blaney and Slick Willie. So Bell, Larson, Blaney won their way in, and Byron pointed his way in. And uh, um, the ones that did not make it, Denny Hamlin, Ryan Trix Jr., Tyler Reddick, Chris Buescher. 
Yep. So looking at our picks here um, of who we thought we would we would mm-hmm. make it, you had the 5, 11, 24, 19. So you got the 5 and the 24. Mm-hmm. I got the 5. I had the 5, 11, 24, and 20. So I got three of four. Yep. You got two of four. Or sorry, yeah. So I win again. Mm-hmm. So so far I am undefeated in so our in our playoff brackets. Who's who's picking? Are are we? Are you still sticking? With, weren't you going to pick the eleven to win it all? Yeah. Doesn't that like totally submarine your whole thing? Uh, not, well, not the way we had structured <laughs> our point system. All right, I'm but, still sticking with Kyle Larson. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I would have picked Kyle too, but you picked him first, so I was like, okay, I'll pick someone else. The eleven. All right. So now I have to pick between the twenty-four and the twenty. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Oh, I guess I could pick the 12 too, right? Yeah. Um, hmm. I'm going to think on this. I'm undecided at this moment. Let's move on and I'll I think ponder I th- this. Uh, n- uh, neither, of w- neither of them excite me, but I think Bell is more um, programmed and geared and weathered to take on uh, Phoenix and, and potentially do well. I'm leaning towards the 20. That's probably who I'm going to pick, but I just want to mm-hmm. process because and remember who, what, what, who was really fast last year at Phoenix Penske's. Oh yeah. Yeah. I was, I was more interested in the fact that if Christopher Busher would have won, uh, you would have had every guy with a last name starting with B. Hmm. So there you go. You have too much time on your hands if that's what you're thinking about. I know. Hey, I have um, an interesting tidbit. Oh, my God. I can't wait to hear this. Yeah. yeah. So as a marketing guy, Uh do you know the origins of where branding comes from? The origins of branding? Yes. Like when you say like a a company brand, Mm -hmm. like do you know why it's called brand and where that came from? No. It was from the good old days when they branded bourbon barrels. Oh, really? Yes. Like literally branded them huh. with, with the name of the distillery. Interesting. There you go. Yeah, I, uh, I'm i familiar with what a brand is. and I would hope so. Well, many people think that a brand is a logo or some sort of image, and a brand is, is how something, a person or a company makes you feel. That's the, that's sure. the, that's the biggest thing a brand needs to do. Um, so yeah, that was NASCAR. Yeah. It, it just, it's just not, uh, for me, it was not entertaining. And, and, and for the record, I have never really been a huge fan of Martinsville. I know people love short track racing and beating and banging and all that. I totally get it, but I just, it, it's just not for me. Well, I, I think Martinsville generally puts on a good race. I don't think that was their best race. Um, I think two of the things I kind of took away from it were, you know, the two different, um, you know, people pitting at at two different times and these other guys getting, mixing it up. And that kind of made things a little bit confusing of who's where and how many laps on the tires did they have. And then, um, you know, no one in the playoffs were like really racing each other. We'll call it. Everyone was kind of, you know, it was good when the 11 and the, and, and the, 12 were racing each other for a win that was for the lead that was mm-hmm. very very exciting and, and and fun to watch very entertaining um 
but then it was clear that Blaney had a better car, and then that was kind of done and dusted. And then, you know, Blaney had whatever, seven seconds on him. So, yeah, there was nothing, there was no story there anymore. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it's just kind of watching where Will Byron was points wise. Um, he was safe by six, seven points, whatever. Um, yeah, so there wasn't any playoff related battle to focus on and then yeah the rest of the racing was just kind of kind of yeah. not not as much beating and banging as as you can have there yeah. so yeah i don't know it was it was not the best show for sure um i think it's circumstance um generally i think that track is pretty entertaining yeah and i will uh, i'll be interested i I, I definitely listen to uh, the Denny Hamlin podcast, and I uh, suggest everyone that's listening to this also listen to it as well. It's really good. He gives uh, good insight, but I'm curious to see how he handles this because he was pretty confident going in. Like he was, he was very confident the last couple months of like where he was, how he felt, the momentum of his team. Um, I'm I'm curious to see uh, how he. Um, processes yeah. this so no i mean they were close they were really close they were they were the second fastest car ryan blaney just had a better car and was faster and yeah. and that's that right um okay mexico mexico city uh the mexican gp um uh shocker max wins again this was a 71 lap race and uh, I thought it was pretty interesting that uh, Daniel Ricardo and Alpha Tari um, qualified fourth. Yeah, that was a huge story. Uh, Ferrari had a lockout in the front row. Uh, Max was P3 and Perez was P5. So that kind of gives you a flavor of who was up front. Yeah, so, so what's interesting about qualifying is uh, Ferrari's ended up on the pole in second. And they were already coming. It's like, well, we really were surprised we're here. <laughs> We didn't really <laughs> expect this, yeah. Um, you know, because their pace, the pace of their weekend up to that point was not spectacular. But you know, they finally put some some times together, and the conditions were right, and mm-hmm. they got their first, they got their lap, their laps in early in that Q3 session, and that seemed to make a difference. Um, yeah, and and Max couldn't couldn't quite uh, match it. So yeah, that, that was kind of interesting. I didn't see a number for race day, but on qualifying day, there was 141,000 people there. So that's that's a that's a big number. Yeah. For qualifying. Yeah. Um, and then yes, Daniel Ricardo, 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 Ricardo. Yeah. Um, very impressive that that he took the mm-hmm. uh, took fourth in, in qualifying. For so sure. they drop the green flag and they charge into turn one. Holy cow, did they ever. And the in-car camera from uh, Leclerc, uh, I'm not, I'm not going to do the Charles Leclerc. Um, Leclerc. The Red Bulls were on either side uh, almost dead even with him before they got to turn one. So I thought, and, the, and they showed the in-car camera from the launch of the, red, of the um, Ferrari, and it just seems those cars don't get up and going as quickly, obviously, but you can hear it. Um, yeah, they talked about it bogging yeah. down a little bit. Yeah, but um, yeah. So the uh, there was two Red Bulls charging the front row. Um, Perez was on the outside, and they they were going to make it a go of it in the first turn. And unfortunately, Perez touches tires. He touched the right rear to the Ferrari. He launches his car, uh, lands safely, but got three of the four wheels off the ground. And the side pod was all damaged. Yeah, it spun out. Parts parts flew off, too. Yeah. A lot of the side pod parts. It was, I, I love hearing the crowd 
you know, even though you got all those cars going by, the crowd will will easily overtake them. Yeah, from that's a, so cool. A volume standpoint, and uh, and Prez's day was over. Uh, so lap, Ugh. not even into turn one, lap one. So they ended up getting his car back to the garage, and I thought it was interesting that uh, they they threw in the garage, had everyone you know frantically running around, and in the back corner you see uh, Adrian Newey holding his clipboard, looking at the car, and he looked up and he just shook his head. Mm. So he's the race car whisperer. Yeah. Um, so uh, what do you think of that that first turn shenanigans? Do you think? What do you think? Uh, I think they ruled it a racing incident. I totally agree. I I think this is Perez. He's in his home track. He you know he's had a lot of uh, interesting things happen to him. A lot of turmoil. A lot of good. A lot of bad. Uh, I think he's trying to lead his his home race and he's trying to make some stuff happen. I think the Ferrari had nowhere to go and he was not blocking. He was not trying to pinch anybody. And uh, just going around the outside of that turn, um, you're, you're either going to end up in the runoff cut and like cut the corner, yeah. or you're going to end up what happened. You're going to touch. Yeah, no. So I think you should rewatch it. I didn't. I, did I think not you need ag- to shut up. <laughs> I don't agree with your assessment. <laughs> so, do you think it was an axe? Uh, so, what what are your your thoughts on? So, that? my take on it is they're going in. Perez was beside, not in front, of Leclerc. And he basically played chicken on Leclerc and said, forget it, I'm, I'm turning in like there's nobody there. Uh-huh. And turned in, Leclerc may have had a hundredth of a second to either get on the brakes and get out of his way uh-huh. or let happen what happened. And to me, Perez like turned in on Leclerc uh-huh. where he didn't have to. Right, he could have, he could have stayed his line and stayed wider on the corner. Would he have made the corner? I don't know, but, but he, he turned in, in my opinion, on Leclerc because it was a right left right. This was a, a yeah, this was a right hand corner, and he had the outside, and turned in like he was going to take like the quote unquote racing line mm-hmm. and and drive up to the apex, but he did not have clear track beside him i wonder that. i wonder if he's thinking if i if i hold my ground and don't turn in i i fear missing the corner i'll go off i'll come in the lead but then i'll have to give that position back yeah that, yeah that could have happened uh for sure but i think he was betting on if he's like okay if i start turning in cleric's gonna see me turn in and he's gonna hit his brakes and mm-hmm. let me go um and kind of like a chicken thing and he didn't and they got they had contact and mm-hmm. he got punted so I, I think it could have been avoided i think perez was way too aggressive on that move well it's like um what was it was the 88 or 89 uh uh japanese grand prix with prost and senna and that was the if you leave a gap you're you're no longer a racing driver quote and um the pole position was won by Senna, but then the tr- the promoters or F1 flipped it and gave him the outside, and they went into turn one, and they they crashed. And Senna, he never admitted it, but he crashed on purpose because it was, um, he thought it was unfair, but it was almost the same thing where he turned in because he thought he had space, and obviously he didn't. Yeah. So, I don't know. 
Uh, Lando Norris, uh, I think he started, he qualified 15th, but he passed a bunch of cars yeah. uh, throughout the day. Yeah, that was that was um, one of the main stories of the day for sure. Yep. Yeah, yeah, of him starting 17th or whatever. And then lap 33, TV missed it uh, live, but they, they played the replay. So Kevin Magnuson, uh, they, they turned to, I forget what turn it was, and he had slapped the wall and his car was destroyed yeah. and then was starting to catch on fire. Um, he got out of his car on his own power, uh, looked okay, but then he hopped the fence to get behind the barrier and looked like he got his bell rung. And then he kind of crowded down <laughs> behind the barrier to sit down um, before the um, emergency people got there. And initially I thought, oh, he probably got too high in the rumble strips and high-sided and you know didn't, didn't finish the turn. Uh, they, they played a slow motion of it, and the left rear tire looks like uh, the, some A arm that holds the tire going forward broke, and the tire was turning l- right, which caused the, the car to turn left into the wall. So there was some sort of failure on the car, uh, part failure. Um, so they, that was a yellow, then it turned to red. Um, they re-gridded them up uh, to start out of red. Uh, I think uh, post-race for Stappen was like, that shouldn't have been a red flag, whatever, and it's his opinion. Um, uh, well, it was red flag because they had to fix the barriers, yeah, right? Fix the wall. Yeah. yeah. Uh, lap forty nine, uh, Piastri and Yuki Sonoda had contact. Um, they were kind of going back and forth. Um, uh, Lando Norris passes uh, George Russell on lap sixty seven. Stroll he spins on lap seventy towards the end. He touched tires with somebody. Uh, Max wins the race by fourteen seconds. And your top three was Max. Lewis Hamilton and Charles Leclerc. Yeah, I mean th- that race. Um, and Daniel Ricciardo P seven. Yep. Yeah. So that race, um, the first thirty seconds, uh-huh. was super exciting. Uh, I agree. Like holy cow, this <laughs> yes. is crazy what just happened. Yeah. And then you'd see Max get to the lead mm-hmm. by the you know turn one. Yep. And you're like, okay, well, this is over. It's like, yep. okay, now let's – I had to, like, mentally think what was going to keep me entertained <laughs> for the rest of the race. It's exactly what goes through my like, mind. Like, okay, what's a fun story I can kind of follow, right? Uh-huh. Is it, you know, as well, Daniel Ricardo. Let's watch – let's see how Daniel does. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a good story. But, yeah, it was kind of like, I don't know, what do I do now, mm-hmm. right? Because you kind of knew how that would play out for the most part. Yeah. So, so – um, Max Verstappen is in obviously in P1 in points. He's already won the championship. He is currently on. He is uh, currently the first driver ever to be on the trajectory at the end of the season to win with double points over second place. So right now, Max has 491 points. Perez has 240. That's one and two. Wow. <laughs> that yeah. that to me is a that's a problem. Well, and he he also set a record for uh, most wins in a single season. Do you right. have that in your notes? I do not. Oh, come on, man. Yeah, my man. Get your stuff together. Um, so yeah, I, um, I, I didn't. There was just nothing there for me to be like, wow, this was awesome. This was worth the time I spent to watch this. And I don't know if it's the length of this uh, of so Formula One and NASCAR. Uh, NAS Formula One doesn't race as much as NASCAR does, but they they kind of have the similar season lengths. And uh, it's just, to me, racing's over. Like, this part of the year is not for racing. I think, uh, I think early spring and then all throughout the summer, I think that's, that's racing's time to shine. 
and I think once you hit September, everything needs to end, and and everyone else can let football and 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 yeah. uh, Major League Baseball playoffs all yeah. kind of play themselves out. But you know, it's I, th- I mean, it's different for us. It's different for me because yeah. we 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 follow so closely. We're there. We're you know, there's you know, we have a, a bunch of team members that are going out uh, to these races, and it takes it consumes a lot of their life. And so, especially in NASCAR, when, you know, you have to look at yourself and be like, your, your season's almost the entire year. I mean, they have two months where they're not racing. Yeah. I wouldn't say they're off, but they're not racing for two months. Yeah. Well, I would, after going through this year on the sports car thing, although they have less races in, the, in large breaks between the races, um, I would argue the season feels longer um, and the off season short is shorter. Right, because yep. you think of what we're going through there. Um, we're going to be testing in Sebring uh, in two weeks, yep. and then a month later we're down in Daytona testing, yep. and then boom, January hits, the season's on, right? Yep. Um, and we still haven't finished our last race of the year, which is Bahrain, um, this upcoming weekend. Mm-hmm. So when you add all that together, yeah, I think it's more of a constant churn. Yeah. Um, where IndyCar, they've been, they're hibernating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, you know, I think baseball, I think the baseball season is ridiculous. There's 450 games. Yeah, baseball super long. Um, and I, I don't know. I just, when you start looking at the grand picture of sports in general and you figure out who has the right number of games mm-hmm. or right number of active weekends, um I think that's another thing the NFL has is they have they're in the sweet spot maybe plus one of having a season that has meaningful games. So if you lose a game, it's a big deal. You know, you lose a game. You NBA not a big deal if you lose a game. Baseball not a big deal. NASCAR not a big deal. I, I think um, the the NFL has the right mix of um, a season length and then number of games in it. That, yeah well i think i mean it is that is what it is because that that sport's so brutal and yeah. hard on people yeah. um that that's all they can do in a year yeah. right I and mean, you can argue that with racing too i mean not people aren't getting in an accident mm. every weekend but um the physical toll that it could take on your body could become really bad and give you a short lifespan although history proves that drivers have a long shelf life yeah hmm. um but yeah the the jason kelsey thing on prime video i don't know if you saw that documentary no. mm-hmm. really good, really good big fan of jason kelsey but he was saying that basically he's uh, because he's a lineman he's a center that he is in a car accident every single down that he plays which I totally get. Yeah. Some are minor car accidents, some are big ones. Yeah, that's a, that's a good <laughs> good way to describe it. Hmm. Uh, okay, so those are, that was the racing stuff uh, from this past weekend. Um, off the track stuff, uh, I got a few. Let's hear it. Let's go. Um, President 2311, uh, one Stephen Laletta, uh, he has called for NASCAR teams to stop selling sponsorship on a per-race basis, saying it leads brands to undervalue certain aspects of a team's marketing platform. Thoughts on that? Well, sure. I mean, if you could sign up a year-long <laughs> deal, you would. Absolutely. So, um, yeah. And, yeah, I, I mean, I agree um, to some degree, but, but also – 
you know, you get your pictures, you get um, what are your, your evergreen content mm-hmm. with your logos and fire suits and whatever, mm-hmm. and you can get a ton of mileage out of that, right? Yeah. Um, for just a quote-unquote race, um, which does kind of undervalue, you know, what, what you could do. Um, this plays back into uh, last week, and I think this this quote came from the same forum that they had the racers forum i think is what they called it here in charlotte but you know it was driver star power uh, brad keselowski he didn't think that teams needed to invest in building up their stars that's the job of the sponsor i was kind of paraphrasing it mm-hmm. you know a couple weeks before that jeff gordon said that you know drivers doing other things outside of non-driving stuff during the week especially podcasts and things like that he pointed at denny hamlin um, that he he's not against it unless you're a driver for Hendrick Motorsports, and then it's we focus on winning. Yeah. Um, so, um, full disclosure, I ha- I worked with Steve Laletta for probably ten years, and I understand his intention of the quote. However, he got torched on Twitter for saying it for basically what what you said. Um, do do teams want to sell one or two sponsor deals and have the whole season taken care of? Absolutely. That's obviously that's number one back in the day that used to be it it's just not practical and this is why you see the car the car of tomorrow (laughs) this is why you see the next gen car come out this is why you see all off-the-shelf parts um uh with a goal of trying to have the cost of racing come down i'm not sure that's happening but that's that's the intention of it and you have the holdout on the nascar side with the new tv deal i'm sorry with the um charter deal uh which may or may not be holding up the new tv deal being announced this is a um the the term cubic dollars i first heard uh when i worked in racing this this sport in general auto racing is so expensive that you have to constantly be creating value good value new value um for any of your participating sponsors and um so i think the answer to all uh, so to keselowski to jeff gordon to steve laletta it's yes yes and and yes yes yeah more 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 um you uh do teams need to build up their brands yes D- uh do teams need to build up their persona their personas and characters of their drivers absolutely like, yeah why yeah. would you not do that right um and i i think this uh these comments coming from people that own teams and are presidents of teams, you know, I, I, I understand the context that they were saying it, but they seem very short-sighted if you read it just right off the bat. No, I agree. And um, we, we, I think that teams need to be media companies that happen to race on a Sunday uh, throughout the year. And given the exact reason why we're doing this and the exact reason why we do streaming and why we pump out a a ton of content is because um, this is how you build a brand. This is how you build uh, your communication to your fans. And it's, it's either a few hundred dollars or free and why would not you do it? And back in the day, if, if we wanted to do this, this would be a hundred thousand dollar buying a radio deal. And it's just, then you know it, ju- it it makes my head explode that this is still something that the industry is fighting against because this is what's holding the industry back yeah that's a good way of saying that actually yeah yep. so i'll get off my box again no i like how you said that a lot <laughs> um 
NHRA has a new a new title sponsor. Mission Foods is now the title sponsor of the NHRA. Uh, That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, Camping World is still going to be involved at a sponsor level, although their um, their spend looks like it got pulled back quite a bit. I don't know all the details of it, but I'm pretty sure the founder or the CEO of Mission Foods is a huge huge gearhead. Like not just drag racing, he's in everything. So uh, I see that Mission Foods logo all over the place. So I think that's mostly a passion buy, which again, more power to him. Uh, Lewis Hamilton co-funded a new non-alcoholic tequila, Almave. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Wow, interesting. Yeah, that's like decaf coffee. <laughs> <laughs> it's just I don't I get it, but I don't get it. Yeah, you know. Hmm. But whatever. I'll the, try it. The hipsters want to drink. I'll try it. Non-alcoholic stuff. Um, uh, Flat Rock Motorsports Park, uh, which broke ground a year ago, is um, nearing completion. Uh, they had some satellite photos. It looks like a pretty impressive facility. They're yeah, already, this is in Tennessee. The Tennessee. Yeah, they're already talking with MotoGP to, to host a race. Um, and then they've also, stuff I've read, NASCAR and IndyCar are on their radar already. Where, where in Tennessee are they? Rockwood, Tennessee, which is west of Knoxville. Okay. And, like, I think it was three hours due north of Atlanta. Okay. Uh, on their website, they say it's like less than a two-hour drive to 75% of the country's population, hmm. which geographically and mathematically, that's correct. Um, so we'll see. I uh, It looks like it's built in a very hilly, mountainous area, but um, I didn't see a whole lot of parking. <laughs> um, well, give so him a chance. Give, give him a chance. chance. Uh a little side note for uh, Coda, the founder of FedEx, Fred Smith, was spotted at the Formula One race, uh, which you can read into that a hundred different ways. Yeah, so do they, does FedEx involved right now mm, in F1? I don't think so. DHL. Yeah. I th- yeah, I think it is DHL. I mean... Yeah, I mean, he's probably just a, a car nerd. Um, them moving freight, they can move freight. I think I think it is, D, is, does, is it DHL that's their, their official shipping company? Probably. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure that's a trade that DHL does because they, they offer to fly all everyone's equipment everywhere in exchange to be an official sponsor of the series, which is a ton of money. Uh, rumors of Audi pulling out of F1 before they start uh, have been kind of been squashed. Uh, there was a spokesperson for Audi that said all things are still a go for 2026. Uh, so that's interesting. Yeah, DHL is the longest standing global partner of, of Formula One. For nearly 40 years, DHL has ensured smooth delivery up to 1,400 metric tons of race cars, fuels, and equipment to race ven- venues around the world. Yep. Yeah, so I would, uh, I would imagine that's that's no cash. That's a they get that designation, and then DHL moves all the stuff for free. Yep. Um, Elon Musk uh, was in Coda. He pulled up driving his Cybertruck. Um, I I love the the gusto of Elon Musk. I think he's very intelligent and bright. Obviously, I love what he's doing with Tesla. That is the ugliest truck I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> <laughs> It's void of any design. I know. I, I know he's just trying to do something crazy and make it look different. But um, man, that thing is ugly. Oh wow! Look it at looks that. like a DeLorean got fell out of the back of an airplane and got crunched up, and that's what it has. Hmm. 
Um, oh, more horror stories from Vegas. Uh, they didn't name the business, but uh, someone that owns a business right on where the track is. Um, this race has cost our business over a million dollars in sales over a normal year because nobody can get here. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, again, I just, what, what they're doing in Vegas without building a racetrack, uh, it is very congested on a good day. Yeah. Yeah. And to just disrupt all of that is, um, it's, it's just mind blowing how much they're turning everything upside down to make that race happen. Right. Um, and then uh, another thing about the race in Vegas is that Homeland Security has raised the Vegas GP from a level three to a level two, which will trigger more Homeland Security resources. So it's a little bit more of a uh, potential threat, I would imagine, going from a three to a two. So therefore, they're going to get more equipment and people to make it secure. Interesting. Which, okay. Yeah. I mean, because if you're a bad guy and you're looking to make a big splash on television, that's probably a pretty good event to do it. Yeah. At. So it, the whole uh, Vegas thing's been interesting. It feels like we've been waiting forever for this. Yeah, it's so still it, not here. We have like three more weeks or something. Yeah. They showed a graphic uh, from Mexico. I think we're, this is, there's like 19 days left. Yeah. Okay. Days, we're closing like in on it. Yeah. I feel like we've been talking about it forever. Like let's have this damn race <laughs> already. Um, so yeah, it's coming. Um, Smithfield uh, officially said that they are done with NASCAR. Therefore, Eric Amarola has officially retired again. Wow. Um, so they're out. And, yeah, I don't uh, – I there was some sort of personal connection there. Um, not that he brought Smithfield in, but he became really good friends with a sponsor. Mm -hmm. And, again, kids, if you're listening to this and you're go-karting looking for sponsorship, there's, there's a handful of drivers that know how to do it. Looks like Eric knew how to do it. Tony Kanon is another one. You have to be become you have to become friends with your sponsors over and above stuff at the racetrack. Yep. Um, you need to build those relationships, and they will follow you. Um, Smithfield Homeland Security, and then I mentioned there's 141,000 people showed up at Mexican Grand Prix for qualifying. Um, so that was this past weekend. Yeah. Uh, Phoenix is coming up for a cup, uh, cup finale, the final showdown. Um, there's uh, more than a few rumblings from drivers that they're not super enthusiastic about racing a final in Phoenix. Um, and I understand why the, the package of the car doesn't really make for a good show. The track is, you know. Eh. Yeah, restarts are exciting at Phoenix because yep. they all fan out uh, all over the track. Yep. I mean, that, that, that part's really good. But, yeah, things kind of settled down there for sure yep. um, after those. So uh, we're heading into, um, oh, so, uh, and then uh, I'll, I'll make some posts that go out on social media later this week, but uh, we are going to have our final stream of the season, of the sports car season. Yeah. Uh, so we're racing Bahrain uh, this Saturday, which will be the final, final, last, last race for the C8. Um, that car uh, that is racing there, as I mentioned before, is a rocket ship, famous car that uh, hopefully still stays in one piece when the race is over. And um, uh, it's a very famous car. It's it's accomplished a lot uh, and a lot of things, especially at Le Mans, that I don't think have ever been done. So it's going to be cool to watch that come to an end. Oh, this is an eight-hour race. It's an eight-hour race. and I Oh, I, dear. Yeah, do, I, do you know that? I confirmed with you over the weekend because I wanted to make sure I got my times right. I thought right. it was six. Okay, so eight-hour race. Uh, so the race starts 
at 7 a.m. Eastern time yep. here in the States. Yep. Um, so there's an eight, eight hour difference. So we will be, um, I'll put on the uh, social media stuff that uh, we'll flick the switch on like at 6.45 a.m. on Saturday. And then the race ends at three. Uh, so that'll be our final one on the on the stream, uh, which is fine because I don't think the weather looks as good as it has been. So if we're stuck inside, that's fine. Um, so that'll be fun to watch. Uh, and then as uh, racing comes to an end, uh, we're going to start to have guests. Uh, I know um, uh, we were supposed to have a guest on three weeks ago, Dr. Aaron Warren from GM. Uh, that's still on hold. He's uh, obviously a very busy person. Uh, we do have Tom Wallace booked. I think that's this time next week, if I remember correctly. Um, he was a former uh, Corvette chief engineer from, I believe, the late 80s, early 90s. Uh, he lives we, – we met him in Kentucky at the um, Corvette Nas- National Corvette Museum, but yeah. he lives here locally. He lives across the lake in Denver, North Carolina. Yeah, so Tuesday the yep. 7th. Yep. Uh, so yeah that'll be fun he was totally pumped to be on the podcast he said he's never been on a podcast so that'll be great and i honestly uh i have a lot of questions for him because i don't um i just have a lot of questions for him like a chief engineer for a car that is established like the corvette like what is what 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 are his guardrails you know like what does he work on yeah there's got to be a ton right yep um you don't want to you don't want to upset the apple card but you also want to innovate too that's right it's a tricky balance yep uh anything on your end no i mean you hit all all the big ones i did um you know i just want to say it's the only thing to add is that it's been super quiet on the indycar side of things with yeah any news content anything um so like are you trying to push my buttons (laughs) no no just well just kind of reiterating some of the things you've said is yeah like that they're they should be keeping going right they should be doing something now they should be making noise they should be doing something yeah because i'm sure all their fans are yeah missing and and forgetting about them and being replaced by other things yeah it bums me out that they're not doing that but um i can only control so much You're only one one man, Brad. (laughs) I guess. All right. Have a good week, everybody, and uh, we will talk to you next week. Yep. Thanks, everyone.